Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to GEMS Podcast. I'm your host, Genesis Amaris Kemp, and with me today is Eric Coffey. Eric is the man on a mission. He is the host of GovCon Giants, the number one YouTube channel and podcast teaching federal procurement, aka government contracting. His students are winning contracts every day around the world and are growing their micro businesses into small businesses, taking one person startup LLCs and landing them six figure contracts with the US government. He has helped hundreds of companies get registered and understand the world of federal government contracting, winning contracts with organizations such as FEMA, VA, DHS, US Army, Corps of Engineers, Navy, Air Force, DLA, Department of State, and more. Eric's slogan, teaching everyday people how to win extraordinary contracts in the mantra that guides all that he does. For his ongoing challenge, Eric would like to help 200 companies achieve 5 million in revenue, netting for 1 billion economic impact. Videos from his YouTube channel have been translated in both Spanish and Russian with the viewers watching from 91 countries around the world. And we're just gonna leave that there because I want Eric to tell us a little bit more about who he is and how he got involved in the world of government contracting. And without further ado, help me welcome Eric Coffey. So uh, just to be correct, we also make videos in Spanish. Um, so we do, uh, we actually have videos in Spanish and Italian as well. So um, I guess we left that out, but that's okay, no biggie. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, happy to be here. And um, happy holidays to everyone out here listening to this and tuning in today. Amazing. And so, Eric, let's start back with your personal journey. Where did you start with your career and how did you segue into what you're doing now? Uh, I was in real estate back in 2003, 2004, five, around 20. Um, 2006, um, a family friend of ours actually was a developer, and uh, he sat on a community action board uh, for our local community. And uh, I, you know, I graduated from college. I was an engineer. I was living in a nice place in a fancy neighborhood. And he encouraged me. He said, "Come back to the neighborhood, and you can help build there." Um, and he said, "Look, you can make your money right here in your local community, in your local neighborhood across the tracks." And uh, he was the one that really said, "Look, come and do this." Uh, but um, by the time that um, I decided to transition from real estate into construction, getting my license, the market crashed from up under us. And you had the real estate market bust in 2007, 08. And so I was stuck with a construction license and no work and nothing to develop. Uh, henceforth, uh, one of my, I, I always own real estate. So one of my real estate, uh, the air conditioning guy who did my AC work, referred me to a contractor that was familiar with federal procurement. And um, so I met the contractor. He told me all about federal procurement as much as he knew, because he had limited knowledge himself and experience. And um, he told me it's a billion dollar marketplace. And I had never heard of a billion dollar anything. So I said, okay, let me uh, investigate. And so I started digging around and found out he was right. It's a, it's a multi-billion dollar marketplace. And um, so we decided 
to go into partnership together. And he was going to perform the work and I would find the opportunities and do all the administrative stuff, which is very similar to what I would have done on the development side. So I, I always found, and, and, and by the way, just for clarification purposes, uh, both of these gentlemen were 20 years my senior. The other one was 30 plus years my senior. So they, they could both be my dad's and even grandfather. But I've always found that um, I've gravitated towards people that were more experienced and had kind of been down a path I traveled. And they ultimately became my mentors, whether directly or indirectly. And so that's helped me to be successful in all of my endeavors uh, since that time. So we got together and uh, I started reading all the books and learning everything. I went to every single seminar webinar within Miami-Dade County. That's where I was from that I could. And at some point, I knew more than the people speaking at the seminars. And so I felt I was, I was on my way at that point when they was no, no other lessons that they could teach me. So we worked together and I started winning some contracts with them. Uh, eventually, uh, because there were some conflicts in the business, I ended up moving on and working with another small business company, worked with that company for two or three years. And at, and at some point, you just kind of outgrow them. And, um, but we're all still friends to gay. In fact, we just came back from traveling together, uh, literally two, let's say Friday, literally four days, like three days ago, we just came back from traveling together. So that relationship has maintained since 07, 14 years later, and we're still good friends. And uh, we all, all of my closest friends are government contractors. Everyone's tremendously successful. And so this is really just a tip of the iceberg of what is possible and what we're doing. That is amazing. And thank you for sharing that. Do you feel whenever you um, launched into government contracting, do you feel like um, your peers or maybe your family members looked at you different whenever you decided to leave like your educational background, like in the engineering space? So, you know, interesting enough, um, my, my, my family was always concerned about me and not having a job. So that never really went away. And so even when I went off and I launched my own government contracting business around 2012, 2013, um, I had some stumbling blocks and I fell at one point and I ended up having to take a job. Um, and I was there at that job for about six months. Yeah, about six months I was there and my family wanted me to keep the job because it was, you know, it was a high paying job as an engineer and construction manager. Um, but really, you know, from day one, I told them when I walked in the door, I wouldn't be here long. And people really challenged me. And they said, no, you're going you're gonna to hang around and you're going to be here. And it was a government job and stuff like that. And I said, no, nah, you know, this isn't for me. And uh, this is just something that's passing through to keep paying my bills because I got a family support until I win my next contract. So um, I remember uh, they even gave me an opportunity to work from a remote location. This is before remote location was convenient just so I wouldn't have to show up every day and I could still run my government contracting business. And I just, I completely turned that down. I said, no, I'm going to, when I get back on my feet, I'm going to go back and I'm walking away. And so within six months of um, having lost, you know, probably six, $700,000 on a couple of fraudulent lawsuits uh, that was non-government related. Um, So I'll I'll back, let me back up. So after my second partner, I went off on my own. And uh, I had a construction company, had 23 employees, and we're doing millions of dollars a year. But then as most of us do, entrepreneurs, we say, well, I could do more. So I stepped outside of the government world and went into the private sector, and I really got beat up pretty hard, pretty bad. So I learned some lessons learned there. And uh, one of the lessons that 
uh, one of the suppliers I owed money to, I owed him about 30 grand. And uh, he said to me, he said, son, when you first started business, what did you like? What were you successful at? And I said, government contracting. And he said, well, go back to that. And he goes, I will never call you again about the $30,000. I know what kind of things that people do. There's really, uh, for me, what I found, there's no protections for a small business entrepreneur outside of the government. So it's just like, it's just as secure as a government job is to the employees. The government contracts are to small businesses. And I haven't found anything more secure ever because a large company could just not pay you or delay your payments and drag you out until you file bankruptcy and you could sue them or attempt to sue them. But then if they drag you out in court for five years, uh, imagine all those lawsuits where the big guys file bankruptcy on people. And so, you know, I just found that the government won't file bankruptcy on you. They're not going to sue you and drag you out in court. Uh, you're going to have a meeting of the minds and come to an agreement. I just found that whatever they agree to pay you, if you've delivered and performed, they're going to pay you. And so for me, once I had that experience, I vowed I would share it with the world. And so the first chance that I got um, after successfully landing multiple contracts, one that was that brought me into the YouTube world was $5 million for two years. And at that point, I said I could kind of coast um, because I had a really solid team doing the projects or I could do something to give back. And that's when I decided 2017 to start my YouTube channel. So let's dive into um, you launching your own business in 2012 and doing it solo in the government contracting space based on all the business acumen, the knowledge, the mentorship that you acquired over time, Eric. So what was the hardest struggle whenever you launched on your own and how has that struggle made and shaped you to be the man that you are today with the level of success that you have? So when you when you're working underneath somebody else's umbrella, right? Um, you know, you can make decisions and not have to deal with the risk involved. But when you have your own business, your decisions, you have to deal with the risk that comes with it. And so that's the biggest challenge. For example, um, when I was supporting one of the contractors, which again, today, they're my best friends. So, um, you know, like I said, we've had these conversations still today. Uh, when we had a project that was bigger than the amount of money we had, um, it wasn't my job to figure out how to pay for it, right? So that was his job to figure out how to pay for it. But then when it came to me, having a job that was bigger than I could handle, it then became my responsibility to figure out how to pay for that and get them and raise the money to do so. So those are some of the challenges that, um, you, you know, I've struggled with in starting business and I continue to struggle with, and everyone does because it really never stops. Uh, it's at every level, you're going to need more resources as you're growing the company, you're going to need more resources. And that's the real reason why companies go public. People, you know, when people go public on an IPO, it's to raise money. It's not to go on a stock market or a stock exchange or anything like that. It's to infuse capital in the business to continue its growth. Um, that's the same reason people get private equity and venture capital. Those are all dollars infused in the businesses to help them build and grow. And a lot of times uh, your business, you can actually grow too fast, right? And so you can't keep up because once you run out of capital, you get zero, you're out of business. So you could actually grow too fast and getting a, and obtaining multiple contracts that you can't afford to start and pay for and fund, and, you know, because you just don't have all the resources. And I think uh, a lot of times um, I was a victim of my own success and, uh, and some bad actors as well. But for small businesses and, and for any of us out here listening to this, uh, as you grow, even you may think that this million dollar contract is going to give you the capital you need, um, but then you're going to want a five million dollar contract and that won't be enough. And so that's a that's a never ending cycle uh, until you can get because even banks can't keep up. 
because they're very uh, risk averse until you can get some sort of um, a, a equity partner of some sort that's got, you know, means access to a lot of money. You're going to always have that problem. It's inevitable. So for someone out here who's listening and they watch you on YouTube, they're now hearing you on my podcast and they're like, man, I really want to be doing what Eric is doing. What are some tips to segue them into government contracting so they could set themselves up for success? Because if we haven't learned anything from the pandemic, we learned that these jobs are not secure as they make them seem. You could easily lose your job, whether it's via furlough, layoff, or they just say, hey, you're indispensable, you're gone. And I'm prime witness, worked for a Fortune 500 company for seven and a half years, was laid off one week after my dad passed. And you know all of that is gone. So you really have to set yourself up for success and have different avenues of your income, whether it's passive income, whether it's branding yourself and et cetera. And so many people sit back and they see you and they may place you on the pedestal, but they fail to realize that you had those star ugly moments and you were where they are now. So walk us through that journey and give us those tips, Eric. Um, there's a lot of things that um, you need to have, but I think the biggest thing for everyone out there is really to get their mindset right. Um, and, you know, for me, I read a lot of books. I listen to podcasts. I listen to audiobooks. Um, I study, like, for example, I'm, you know, now I'm getting the venture capital. So, you know, I have books on venture capital. And so for me, I'm, you know, you have to be a lifelong learner. And I think um, being a lifelong learner and getting accustomed to that really sets you up for success because, uh, you know, one of the things that I did was in my late twenties, around 28, I taught myself Spanish. And so now I speak fluent Spanish. And so again, as a learner, these are not obstacles anymore. So for example, uh, I dove into the world of crypto and cybersecurity. And I, so I learned these things uh, because I, I'm a lifelong learner. I feel like there's nothing I can't learn um, because the information is out there. I think a lot of times people believe mentally that the, uh, this whole path, the world is supposed to be easy and it's supposed to be fair. And so I think once you can reprogram and reset your mind to think that nothing is supposed to be fair and nothing is supposed to be easy, and it's just really how you look at it, that's going to set you up for success no matter what you do. Um, the, the, my friends are now working on contracts that are in the tunes of billions of dollars. And you know, we talk about, I've got a bracelet, I don't have it here, but it says master fear, conquer life. Um, and so, you know, a lot of us are so afraid of nothing, uh, of nothing, really of nothing. When you take and you compare yourself, right? And so again, I was listening to this podcast recently that said this. Um, and again, if you want to listen, I listen, I love Jim Rohn, um, Zig Ziglar, all that good stuff. But if you look at yourself uh, and you say, okay, um, you know, I'm in, where are you at, Genesis? Texas. Okay, so I'm in Florida, right? We've got so many millions of people. She's in Texas. They got so many millions of people. But then we're also in the United States that has so many hundreds of millions of people. But the United States is part of, right, the North America, which has so many millions of people, which is part of this side of the continent, which has so many people, right, which is part of the Earth, which has so many people. But then the Earth itself, right, if you come to the planet and then the galaxy and outer space, we are insignificant. And when you look at that and you say to yourself how insignificant we really are, um, because again, there's some, there's people right now that died in China. You don't even know those people. And there's people that died in Russia. You don't know those people. 
So when we look at really how insignificant our lives are, there's really nothing to be afraid of. And when you put all this stuff in perspective, you, you realize that really um, it, you are, your, the mental image that you paint of yourself is your only limitation. And so what I like to encourage people to do is to change that mental image of how they see themselves. And that's how we really start setting yourself up for success because that's what's going to determine your future. Uh, not your past, not your parents, not your, your screaming uncles and your, your, na- your naysayer cousins and all Pookie and all them. They're not going to determine your future. It's your mental capacity and as how far can you dream? How big can you dream? And how do you see yourself? And so again, um, even if you got to lie to yourself, lie to yourself because really that's what's going to set you up for great success. And I tell all my students, it starts off here. It doesn't start off on, on what you know or how much you know or what you don't know. It starts off on how you, what do you think about yourself and how do you view yourself in the context of others? And so again, if you're not confident, I'm going to see that. But if you carry or exude some confidence, I'm going to see that. And we all know people that we've seen that are successful that we know them personally, like this guy ain't got no brains, they ain't got no sense. We all know those people that we were like, how did he make it? How did she make it? Like, what did she do? And you, you'd be like, how did they? Because it's not about intellect. It's so not about intellect. In fact, in my books, um, I put it on there that my college friends are not millionaires and my millionaire friends never went to college because it's not about intellect. There's no direct correlation. Throw out that old wisdom about going to school and going to, and going to college and getting a degree, but that's going to set you up for success. That's actually probably going to make you lazier because you're going to feel like your education stops once you've stopped college. And so you don't have to do anything else. People that I found that I work with because they didn't go to college have to prove themselves. So they constantly are learning and taking certification classes and certification courses and doing continuing education to further advance themselves because they feel so slighted by not having a college degree. So what I found is I actually, people that college degrees actually are my worst students, not my best students. That's so funny because I have two brothers. Um, one has a four-year degree, he's engineer, doing all this other great thing. My other brother went to technical school, doing all these incredible things and very successful. And, you know, sometimes people only see the one that has, you know, the fancy degree or whatnot. And I tell people, even the younger people that I mentor, I said, you don't need to go to college to prove yourself. If you want to be a doctor, a lawyer, a nurse, a nurse practitioner, yes, you go to college. But if you know that you want to step into the business world and entrepreneurship, learn what you need to learn to be successful and continue to learn along the way. Because I said, all I have is a bachelor's degree. Some of my friends have master's and PhDs, but they have over six figures in debt. I have no college debt. I paid my student loans while in school where, you know, some young people, you don't want to pay that while you're going to school. You want to live, you know, life. You want to go to sorority parties, frat parties, all of those things. But I said, you know what? I don't want to be slaving to the man. I want to be financial with free. Am I there yet? No, but there are certain things I need to take in place in order to drive the vehicle that I want to drive and yield the amount of income that I want to have. And it starts by me changing my mindset. And when I tell my parents, um, my dad passed away, but my mom is still living. And I said, you know what, there's other things that I want to do. And I don't want to work for a company for 30 years. So what you could have a plaque, a watch or whatnot. How is that going to help me with generational wealth and have a legacy to pass down? It will not. And, you know, to piggyback off what you said, interesting enough, um, you know, one of the things that, that I did with my parents is, um, 
of when I when I started when I when I won this this multi year contract right, I actually had them send the checks to my parents' house so my dad would actually be able to deposit them, so that my dad was able to see the kind of money that I was bringing in, right? And you know, and, and again, I hope that all of you have this experience one day. But when you go to the bank and have to ring the bell, that means your check is above a certain amount. And if you never had that happen, listen, tell the people one day when you get some substantial money, don't let them do a wire, send it to a check. So you can go to the bank and have to ring the bell. Ding! Somebody has to come from behind there who has authorization for that amount to deposit. And so my dad, with all my checks for two years, went in there, they rang the bell for him. And he felt they called him Mr. Coffee and he was very well respected. And he's never had to happen because he's never made more than 40,000 a year in salary. So um, that's something that I did that I've maintained. And even till this day, uh, whenever I do consulting and stuff, I send the checks to my parents' house. And then I, I have my mom, because my dad doesn't even know how to fill out a check, the, the, the deposit form. So my mom fills out the deposit and my dad actually deposits in the bank, but they get to see what I do and what as a result of it. So and, I love- By the way, hold up. But also speaking to the, what you said about... Um, the multiple streams of income beforehand, when I got in trouble and I rebuilt myself back up, I started creating multiple streams of income. So I have, I think, eight stream, streams of income at this point now. Okay, we're going to get into that really quick. But I laugh whenever you said that you sent the checks to your dad, because I'm thinking, is he low-key, low-key trying to throw shade at his dad? Be like, yeah, you weren't about it, but here's the checks to prove what I'm doing. Oh, I'm not trying to throw shade. I just want them to be proud like any other kid would, right? <laughs> But my dad, never, my dad was never the one that told me to, to stay, and and it was my mom that always the one that told me to, um, you know, to keep the job. But today, you know, that's that's we don't even have those discussions anymore because, uh, you know, when everybody knows your son and you can't go to a funeral or a wedding or something that says I I see your son, I follow Eric, I see him, he's all over the country, he's all over the world, da, 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 da. you know, it's at this point it doesn't even make sense. And when she sees what I've done and, you know, help, you know, again. I'm the only one that can really, not the only one, but again, when there's, you know, there's a financial situation, they already know who's to turn to. And I was just going to ask you that. Are you, uh, do you have siblings or are you? I do. It's four of us. Yes. So I have two brothers and a sister, but they're all significantly older. So we, they grew up more like aunts and uncles. Uh, My sister is 17 years older than me. So when she, when I was born, she she already had a child, which, so I had a nephew when I was born. Um, and so, you know, we, we, they were more like uh, uncles and aunts than they were brothers and sisters because they are all two years apart. Um, oh, but okay. yeah, but none of them took this path. In fact, uh, my brother, uh, my, my oldest brother uh, and my sister, I had an event in Miami uh, that I hosted for my YouTube stuff and they came out and saw it and they came out and, and everyone says, are you guys in government contracting? And my brother's like, no, they go, wait, do you know who your brother is? And so literally it's probably been um, three or four years now. And he's finally starting to wake up and realize that that county job he's got is not going to take him to where he wants to be at. Okay. Now let's dive into um, your eight streams of passive, passive income. Do you mind sharing what they are and how? And yeah. Um, so let's see, I've got my YouTube channel, right? Um, I've got a membership site. Um, I have my books that I sell. I've got two books, right? Okay. Um, and then I have um, rental income. I have Airbnb income. I have consulting income. I sell courses. 
and we do coaching. So I think it's like 10, actually. I, I said eight, but I guess like 10. I guess, you know? That's amazing. So you got to brag. On, you got to brag on yourself because you always have small wins in life and big wins. And you are really doing some big, amazing things here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, again, I, I just want to feel safe and secure. And and going back to what you talked about with people getting jobs and being in debt, if you take on a lot of debt, you can't build. Right. Because you're starting from back. You're starting backwards. So you got to get to zero before you can start building things. And so that that prevents you from being able to build anything. And I even tell my son, my son didn't go to college and I'm OK with that. His friend who did go to college, his best friend is selling insurance and he makes good money. And then again, like most young people, he went out and bought a, a fancy car. He had a car that was paid for and then he upgraded to some, you know, whatever, Dodger, RT, some, I don't know, some junk. So I tell my son, I go, listen. Um, even though he makes more money than you do, if he continues spending the way he's going to spend, he's going to be up in a worse position because he's not building anything. My son, meanwhile, on the other hand, is building low key things on the background that creates passive income where he doesn't have to work. And so if he gets sick or anything like that, the money still comes in. His friend, on the other hand, is spending everything that he makes to try to impress people. So, and you know, the saying, you make five things, impress people that, you know, you don't like. So all that kind of good stuff. So I've, I've always, um, um, you know, been a kind of person that I didn't feel like I had to prove myself to people in terms of material things. And so I really, I just, I, I stuck with that and uh, it's done me well. So that way I can keep building and building and building and um, have multiple streams of income. And so again, like some of the books that I listen to, they say, you want to build a moat around your family to assure them from anything bad happening. And so again, I'm, you know, we're creating multiple streams. I, again, like I said, I eight, I guess I count 10, but um, yeah. So again, when we first jumped in the call and the, I answered the phone, that was my property manager for my property. So, you know, we, it just, I don't know. I, I just, uh, I read a long time ago and, uh, I realized in also my life that was more than just money and it was helping people and giving back. And because as a result of me, being fiscally responsible with my finances and my monies, I was able to build a channel that I could give to the world. And so that channel, I built my YouTube channel with my time because I had my money saved from what I did on government contracting, which allowed me to to tag. And I didn't make a penny for two years off of that channel. So two years of my life, I gave to a channel um, to be able to create that for people. And I didn't charge them a penny. And so, you know, most people, uh, that was making the kind of money I would have made would have been, would have bought a bigger house, would have bought a fancier car, right? So they would just step, they would increase, most people just increase their living standards. Uh, I kept my living standards the same and invested in building out a channel that could help people globally. And so that's why I could come back here today. And, um, you know, if you look at it and, and I think sometimes we, we, we miss out on the point of the people that we admire the most athletes and singers and all those people, they did the same thing. No one bought their songs when they were nobodies and they were popular. So they had to push themselves. They had to make songs, they had to go in the studio. They had to record all this stuff for free. No one paid for that. They had to spend their time and their money to make this stuff for free. It's easy to say how successful they are today, but what about when no one knew who they were and no one was paying for them to get studio time? And even if you go back to like, say Justin Timberlake or Beyonce, whoever you pick it, they were performing as kids on stages at no cost. That means they were spending, the cost was to you. If, if, 
someone's always paying, whether you're paying or they're paying. So if no one's paying you, that means you're paying with your time. So they were investing in themselves, their time and their moms, taking them around and getting her dressed up and making sewing her dresses and her outfits. And she was going around performing for free. And the same thing with Timberlake and same thing, Britney Spears, all these people. And so um, why do we think that we, we have to be different? Why do we think someone's got to come and give us something and we don't have to put in that time? I, I, I've never understood that. So for me, I just, I think that we should all kind of just reprogram our brains and say, look, I've got to give something for free myself uh, to be able to get to this place. Um, and again, it's no different than if you want to do an internship at a radio station to be able to meet the radio DJ to beat the booth. It's the same thing. If you want to uh, come and learn from someone like myself, you know, you've got to put in some time and, you know, show me that you're committed. Show us that you, this is what you want to do. You're serious. You've, you've watched our content. Um, you paid for one of our programs and you say, Hey, look, I want to, I want to, I want to ride with you and sit side by side. Okay. Yeah. So you you got to really put in the work and, you know, believe in yourself because not everyone is going to give you something. And I always like to use this philosophy that my older brother gave me. He's like, when you do something that you're passionate about, the money is going to come. But if you're doing something for the money, you're going to work a lot harder trying to chase those dollars. And when he said that, it stuck with me because, you know, I got into, you know, the work game young. I spent 15 years in corporate America already, and I'm only 30 years old. I just turned 30. And, you know, I was always trying to chase the money and secure the bag and really climb that corporate ladder. And when I got into oil and gas, you get paid very well in oil and gas. And my brother's like, are you doing it for the money or are you doing it because you enjoyed it? And when he broke it down to me that way, it really stuck with me because I was like, oh, I'm young. I could, you know, buy these different cars or whatnot. And I said, you know what? It took me a while to realize it up until I fell into a situation where my parents had got me a car and I totaled it after high school graduation. And because I was disobedient, my dad had told me that day not to go on the freeway. I disobeyed and I went on the freeway because I was trying to get to this show to sell my Cutco knives, which are super pricey. And a car came and hit me in the back. My car spun around three times and hit the concrete pillar. And it was a miracle that I survived. But in that incident, I learned that sometimes you can't always take shortcuts in life to get to where you want. You just have to be obedient. You have to be patient and just go through life's processes. And when someone older tells you something, it's because they have wisdom and they've been around the block a few times. And so you should heed that instruction versus thinking that you're a know-it-all because being the youngest out of five in a blended family I'm like I got this I got this but until you don't got it and then you have to go to those same people and ask for for help and you have to lessen your ego you have to humble yourself and you have to kind of eat your own s-h-i you know the rest and I was like oh man but then with the younger people nowadays they see people on these pedal stools and they're like oh I want to get this I want to get this they want to live the fast life but they don't realize that there's stuff that those people did to acquire that lifestyle. And there's this one song that says, I did a lot. I did a lot just to live this lifestyle. But if you don't know what the law is, can you say that you really want to live that lifestyle? It's a huge responsibility as well. And, and, and sometimes it could be a burden. Um, but going back to what your family says, I would, like they teach me, hey, you make your bed hard, <laughs> you lay in it hard. So hey, that's what, that's what the old folks taught me. I got a lot of old saying in it. My, you know, my, my parents are, again, as I said, my sister is, uh, she's, you know, they're almost 60. And so my parents are, 
my dad is, uh, he's born 1939. So he'll be 83 this year. And my mom is 79. So they're older and they, they have all the old sayings. So I got all that old stuff in me, that wisdom. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting to, to know, but I think uh, this is an incredible time for all of us out here. This is, this is a, a magical time. In fact, I just got off a conference. I just got a call uh, two calls ago um, discussing uh, starting the VC fund and uh, with someone who started a fund before. And there's a lot of money floating around, lots of opportunities, uh, especially for minority people, women, um, black and brown people. There's a lot of money floating around for us to to take and, and be able to do your passion projects. Right. And even going back to uh, people who are artists and creators, you know, if you if you're an artist and you're a creator and you're and you're saying, hey, you're not being compensated fairly. Don't worry. Web 3.0 is going to be the one that's going to make a difference. Right. That's what DeFi is all about. If you haven't looked into it and you're listening to this and you're an artist and you're a creator, look into Web 3.0 and DeFi because we're taking they're going to take the power out of the hands of the centralized systems, which are the Facebooks, the Instagrams, the Googles of the world that are centralized systems and put it in the hands of the people who create this stuff, the content creators, the authors, the, the writers and things like that. And you'll probably see some of your, your famous writers are using uh, platforms like Substack. Uh, and so people are creating DAOs and they're, and they're building their own communities. And so there's going to be opportunity for all of us. And, and so if you've got some, something to contribute to the world, definitely you got to, you know, you can't, you know, let it die while you're sitting behind a job and, and not think about all the people that we love and we know Whitney Houston and stuff. What if they had sat behind a job and we never had the chance to hear their music or their songs or their voice? Uh, think about what a tragedy that had been that's just, you know, to the world, right? Such a detriment. So uh, if you have uh, some sort of special skill, gift or talent, you got to let it be known. There's just so many places, again, from from websites like Shopify, um, to uh, places like even now as artists, which I'm taking my friends and helping them with NFTs. So there's just so much um, out here. I think you just have to turn off the Netflix and start digging into the places where these the, the people are at in the communities. That's really great. And as we wind down, I want to leave you all with this powerful question that I had to ask myself. How much are they paying you to sleep on your dreams? And do you want your dreams to end up in the graveyard because you were too busy and too afraid to live out your purpose, your passion, and your mission while you were here on earth? Was that a question? Yeah, that was a question. I, I, I wanted it to marinate in. You think about it. Think what about mean, it. How much, I mean, how, but uh, how much are they paying to sleep in your dreams? I mean, they're not, I'm not sleeping on my dreams. No, no, not you, but like, in general, because they're based on what you said, Eric, there are so many people who oh, they're sleeping absolutely. on their they're sleeping on their dreams because they're afraid to start something. They're afraid to get outside of their comfort zone and in the box of unfamiliar. And then if they're working for an employer, then they don't want to leave that employer because they don't know what are the unknowns out there. But you're obviously teaching them that there's government contracting and other ways. You talked about all the passive income streams that you have. Yeah. So I want people to, you know, just open their mindset and say, how much is someone paying me to sleep on my dreams? Because I'm allowing fear to condition me. No, no, I understand. Oh, I agree. I No, I understand exactly what you're saying. In fact, that's what Jeff Bezos said before he started Amazon. He went back in these and um, he was known for saying, they go, he left, he, Jeff Bezos actually had a corporate job and he said to himself, uh, when he's 80 years old, what he would tell his 80 year old self, 
uh, he wanted to minimize the number of regrets that he had at 80 years old. And so uh, he decided that he was going to leave that corporate job and start this little small book company selling books online. And that's what he did. And, you know, that's the same thing Elon Musk. If you look at Elon Musk, he's got it by, he's got in his head a prism that talks about like, you know, outer space and that's what guides him. So I think that really, you know, uh, if you find yourself that you've got an itch and you're, uh, you know, you feel as though something's bothering you, right? And you, you know how it is when it's really bothering you and you've got that itch you've got to scratch and you're like, you want to explore this and I'm not quite sure. Really, you know, all you got to do is start looking for communities of people that are doing what you're wanting to do and join yourself, align yourself with that community. And then that will help you start increasing your confidence level to be able to do whatever it is that you want to do. And once you start seeing other people in the community doing what you want to do, you, it's going to make it much easier process for you to transition. I love that. And what gems would you like to leave with the listeners and viewers? And then close us out with telling them how they could connect with you on your YouTube channel, your website, and the rest of the services you offer, Eric. You know, I uh, for me, I mean, I think I've dropped a lot of gems already, but <laughs> but you know, I I would say that it's again there's there's several books that I recommend. Some of them are complicated, but there every book on success, every book on wealth, every book on uh, prosperity involves mindset. So. The person who conquers their mind, right? They're going to conquer life. And it doesn't matter what book you pick up, what book you read. Um, it all comes back to conquering your mind. And so I have a saying that we always talk about. I don't like to brain wrestle with people, right? And so if you think about yourself, brain wrestling, it's like going back and forth and arguing that kind of stuff. So I don't like to brain wrestle with people. But are you brain wrestling with yourself? Are you tussling around in your head this that what if what maybe maybe it's possible not sure uh that's you know are you brain wrestling with yourself and if you find that you are then you've got to get out of your own head space because there's been there's in every single situation there's been someone that had less fortune less education less money less resources less connections you know they had a shorter hair, longer hair. They had, you know, different color eyes. They came from a worse scenario. They've had, you know, they were sexually abused. They were um, thrown away. You know, one of the things I say is give me the C students, give me the left behind and forgotten. Those are the people that I like because I want the person that's driven here because I can fix, I can fix the learning part. The learning part is easy, you know, but I can't fix your mindset. So if you want to connect with someone like myself, you got to first come with the right mindset. Um, I don't care about your past. I don't care about, you know, what you look like. I don't even care if you speak English, to be honest with you, you know, because it doesn't matter uh, to me. Um, but I do care about where's your heart and where's that you're trying to go and that you've got a destination. So uh, set your destination to the moon, to the space, to the stars. Um, and then let's figure out how to get you there. Um, I, I'm going to say something um, that happened to me this past weekend that I've been telling folks. Even with myself and all the success I have, 
and the things that I've done, right? So my friends were telling me we're, we're out of town. And uh, my friend, he was a little tipsy. And he said, Eric, man, I respect you so much. You don't even know. And he's like, man, he says, I know you're doing some good stuff. He says, but, you know, you're working at half capacity. And he says, I know that you're not fulfilled, right, what you're doing. And I'm like, you know, so I'm listening. I don't judge. I'm just listening. I'm like, but, you know, I mean, and all these people think the world of me. And he says, yeah, but he says, I think you could be a billionaire. And I said, well, I said, I never really put my mind to that. You know, if you read my bio, my bio is about helping other people get there, right? 200 companies, $5 million a year. Uh, we So by the way, Genesis, just so you know, we've already have six companies there. So we're already six, we're already like, you know, almost 10%, what was that? 10, we're about 5% towards our goal of 200 companies. So, um, and uh, he said, you know, that I think that's what you should do. You should be, you should set your mind to it. So I said, no. He goes, you know what? I said, I'll put it down as a goal. Um, he says, do that for me. He says, because that's where I see you. And what's interesting is that I have two other of my close friends that see the same thing. So I'm saying to you guys, even myself, right? I'm still have myself down below what my capacity is, even for myself. So I'm coming on and this is the first time I've said this anywhere publicly, even on my channel, I haven't told anybody yet that my new goal is to become a billionaire. That is incredible. And congratulations on the goal with the six companies and for just really unpacking that rawness because that's what people connect with, it, Eric. They want to hear, Eric, not just, you know, the success, but the rawness and, you know, you really tapping into your full and highest potential because sometimes right. we can limit ourselves because sometimes we're afraid. And you know what? I, I learned a lot from you in this, you know, 30 minute segment. Well, a little bit more than that. Cause I was, I'm actually thinking about going back to work because healthcare insurance is so high. And I said, I only want to do it as a segue until, you know, my business gets fully off the ground, but what do I want to do full time? I want to do podcasting. I really love podcasting. I love interviewing people like yourself and et cetera. You're my fourth interview for the day. And I'm darn good at it, even though I have a supply chain degree, but that doesn't matter to me. My happiness and my success is what is going to carry me. And when I'm happy and whole, my husband is going to be happy and whole because he doesn't have me in his ears because right. he told me when I was in oil and gas, don't bring that home. Like leave your work problems right. at work. Our house Absolutely. is a place of peace and it's our sanctuary. And right. I didn't know it was affecting him. But when I'm, when I'm going through turmoil at work, I want to come home and I want to tell my man, my boo, right. my rock, but I didn't realize that he didn't want to hear that because men want to fix things. Y'all right. are like waffles. You compartmentalize. And women are like noodles. We're all over the place. But it makes sense to us. So I had to realize how to balance that so I could, you know, make sure my husband is happy, make sure our marriage is full, and all of that. No, that's great. I'm, I'm happy that you said that. I'm, I'm and I, and I please women take her advice because <laughs> we don't want to hear that. <laughs> I'm like, look, okay, what's the solution? All right, so you're gonna quit the job or what? You're gonna you're gonna tell your boss? You're gonna write a letter to HR? Like, what are you gonna do? Because I don't I don't need to hear this tomorrow either. So don't come back home and tell me about the problem unless you're gonna fix it. So like, okay, you want me to write a letter to your boss? Do I need to call HR or something about this situation? Because I don't want to hear it tomorrow. And it's true. So you know, I agree. I I, I like peace and quietness. So um, my you can always reach me govcongiants.com. That's basically my platform. Um, and I'm everywhere. E coffee. It's E-C-O-F-F-I-E. Delcon Giants is my name. Um, so we've got multiple platforms, but you can find me anywhere. I'm on, I'm on everything.
I don't have to say them. Everything. TikTok. And, <laughs> and there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS Podcast. You just heard Eric Coffee, and we talked about all things government contracting, securing um, passive income, and really driving that generational wealth. All of his contact information will be in the show notes. So make sure you connect with Eric and level up in your life and level up your game so you can live the life that you want to live and not living it in someone else's eyes or their dreams, but live it on your terms. Until we chat next time. Peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day and go out and be great because you are great. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor so please reach out via email at gems, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.